Hello and welcome to the Great Movie Showdown Christmas episode. All right. Okay. So welcome to the Great Movie Showdown Christmas special. We've got Matt on the guitar. He's our, uh, who was the guy from Hercules? Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, today we're, we're doing what we did for the Halloween episode, but this time for Christmas movies. And that's basically it. Basically, uh, we've got a whole bunch of Christmas movies. Matt's going to spin a wheel or a, a random number generator and... We're just gonna we're just gonna talk about some Christmas movies, some of our Christmas classics, some of our some of our favorites, some of our favorite Christmas memories, and uh, you know this is just like our a holiday episode. Yeah. So yeah, that's the intro, I guess. Maybe I'll re-record this later if if I feel like it's too shit. Anyway, <laughs> so my headphones plugged in now. I'm good to go. I get oh. down. Well, that was that took long enough. Anyway, so Matt, Matt has a very special Christmas question to ask us this this holiday evening. Okay, so this question started when I was watching Home Alone two all the way through for the first time. I'm pretty yeah. sure it was for the first time, and. It was basically like a carbon copy of Home Alone in a different location. And then it got me thinking about The Hangover and about how the sequel is just a carbon copy of the original in a different location. Yeah. And then I started thinking about, like, what is even the purpose of Christmas movies? Are they actually meant to be good? Are they? Well, The Hangover's not a Christmas movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. That was just like what it made me think of. And then I was judging home alone like i would judge a regular movie but then i started thinking like should i even judge it like a regular movie no like i'm starting to think that like christmas movies like their their goal is just to make you think about christmas and get you in the christmas spirit rather than actually be good so maybe (laughs) i mean you're not wrong i mean see the thing is for me is anything that has even like a hint of christmas falls under the banner of a christmas movie because hell man if it makes you feel good right and it goes oh wait and there's some christmas in it boom it's instantly a christmas movie at least to me that's just how i feel i hear a lot of people argue that in order to be a christmas movie it has to be like a movie that needs christmas like if you were to take christmas out of the movie it's no longer a movie so would you consider passion of the christ a christmas movie yes no it's more of a movie what do you mean it has Christ in it? Yeah, it has the yeah. Christ part. Yeah. Plus it's for the good it's more of a Good Friday movie. Plus a really good yeah. crucifixion and some flogging, some heavy buckets of blood. I think there's even a bit of a Satan, a little androgynous Satan thrown in. I mean, Passion of the Christ is solid Christmas. Christmas hardcore. Yeah, that's that's Christmas wrapped up in there, baby. But it's Easter, or not Easter? Actually, like, no, no, no. You're right. It is. It's, a, it's an Easter movie. Same thing with this old movie that my mom and I liked for some reason, mainly just for nostalgia, which is called The Robe. That's an Easter movie, but sometimes we sneak it in on Christmas because it's, it's, you know, it's all Christ-like and stuff. 
<laughs> and you're a free American and you can watch whatever movie you want. For I Christmas. know I'm the weirdest person to talk to about these like Christmas slash religious movies because I adore them, but I am the least religious person you'll ever meet. Yes. But I can't help it's, it. It's the same. Like I, I would sing the hell out of all these songs talking about Jesus Christ. Yeah, because I, I do. I, I dig them. Yeah. My favorite song is The Little Drummer Boy. And I even like oh, the stop motion yeah. movie. But like, you know, it's all about baby Jesus and stuff. So like, I don't, I mean, but I'm not, I don't know. I just like hey, it. It makes me feel good. It makes my heart a flutter. We, just, we sing songs all the time about things that didn't happen. Even though if we don't believe in all this Christmas stuff, we can, we can still sing about it. Absolutely. hundred percent. Well, and let's not, let's not uh, completely eliminate uh, other holidays and stuff too. Right. Right. Um, yeah. But before we get before we get too much into the episode, there is some breaking Christmas oh news yeah. that I want to talk about. Oh, Lord. So um, I posted a link to a trailer for this Lifetime movie. I believe it's Lifetime. Yes. This is the KFC Lifetime original mini movie called A Recipe for... A Recipe for Seduction, starring Mario Lopez as the iconic Colonel Sanders. Oh, wow. Mario Lopez. Wait, wait, an article with the Washington Post by Emily Hell here says, or maybe it's Heel. I think it's Heel. So that's the marketing... <laughs> The marketing bet KFC's making in a 15-minute mini-movie that's airing on Lifetime. So it's not a full movie. It looks like it's a... It's not. It's a mini-movie. Yeah, but, Recipe for Seduction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. Yeah. So the whole thing, I mean, realistically, I feel like this was, this was a long time coming for KFC to... <laughs> if you've been paying attention to KFC's marketing the past two or three years, let's be real. Think they... They kind of do whatever they want. Um, I think a year ago, maybe a year or two ago, they released that weird Japanese dating simulator where your goal is to date Colonel Sanders at like a school for chefs in that weird anime art style. Mm, did they? And that was a game that they just released for free for people to uh, to play and promote KFC's brand in this weird uh weird wacky way i really which, wish they would put that amount of effort in making their restaurants like look nice and like paying their employees <laughs> enough so they're happy well but it's interesting because so chick-fil-a has all this controversy around them uh, about uh anti-homosexuality and stuff of that nature we don't need to necessarily get into that but kfc a brand that has what appears to be a plantation owning uh Southern Chef released a a game that, or I guess the whole thing, their marketing feels more progressive than Chick Fil A. But despite I'll also all of argue that, that, like they released a game where your goal is to date Colonel Sanders. Well, well Colonel Sanders isn't old enough to own slaves. <laughs> well. <laughs> Like you like have person. this whole like, like, I've met people that have met Colonel Sanders and and I haven't really met anybody that's met slave owners. I don't think maybe maybe he's not. Maybe I don't know anything about KFC. I honestly Wait, don't. But I, I thought he was like, supposed to be like a plantation owner. Is he not? 
I don't think so. He was like born in the 1900s. Wait, I'm pretty wait, sure. wait a minute. Pump the brakes, both of you. Just stop. Okay. Cause I've been listening and like, Zach, I appreciate you taking us on this like weird tangent away from Christmas. We're talking about the KFC movie. And then now we're on to was the KFC Colonel possibly a slave owner. <laughs> you took our advertisement, our ad revenue, and then you just threw it in the trash because you were trying to the colonel. Next, we're gonna bring up uh, Stella Merritt and Apps murder. Uh, well, addictive chemicals in his chicken. So maybe, maybe he was just a southern guy. <laughs> I mean, I maybe you could argue that his father or grandfather may be owned slaves. But <laughs> oh, I, my God. Stop. I can't breathe. Probably. Okay. Well, <laughs> anyway, I'm trying to say KFC is more progressive than Chick-fil-A. And it came out. <laughs> now it's hey, is really KFC long. is less racist and homophobic than fucking Chick-fil-A. So I actually, yeah. this is like another news article that came out where actually like the Christians oh. hate Chick-fil-A. Because Chick-fil-A is doing like a 180 on their stance and they're not donating to their those Christian anti or those Christian homophobic organizations anymore. So now the Christians don't like Chick-fil-A. And plus Chick-fil-A, like they keep, they keep their restaurants clean. Uh, people there are actually happy. I don't know if they're like held hostage because oh. I've never met anybody that happy in real life at work. Oh my God. None of this has anything to do with Christmas, by the way. Or movies. I imagine that people that work for Chick-fil-A oh are um are like the uh the cultists in Far Cry Five. Oh. <laughs> that reference is above me. I remember there was one time where I went to Chick-fil-A and there was a person that showed like regular human emotions and wasn't smiling. And maybe oh even swore, and it made me happy. I'm like, you broke your whatever programming they did to you. Now run. Yeah. Oh my god. Did he get out? Did his like hand have a little red diamond in it that started blinking? It was actually a woman. And it was did like her a hand have a little too. red like diamond in it that started blinking. No, not that I remember. And then Sandman came after her no. with uh, these guns that shot this cool green neon gas. I, I don't think so, no. It probably no. would have made the news. Probably would have. That was the plot of Logan's run, by the way. I don't... <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Do you have anything else anyway. to say about KFC? I think they made... Yeah. Our, didn't they make, like, uh, shirts to sell online of, like, chicken? Or that might have been another place where you could buy, like, <laughs> KFC merchandise to wear. I'm sure you can. I'm sure there's definitely unlicensed merchandise. No, out there like too. they sold it on the website because Publix was doing the same thing. Oh. Or like you can have huh. a throw pillow that says like hashtag BOGO <sighs> or something or I love BOGOs. Okay. All right. <laughs> well, anyway, I can't deal with what do I okay, want to get? Christmas your... movie, number one, since we got, I'll do the one to just steamroll us into Christmas. Hang on, hang on. We're not, we're oh not finished. Oh, my God. With this. No, we've got to be thorough on this breaking news story. No, I just want to get your guys' thoughts on what this means for the future of of branded content. I'm never going to pay attention to it, so I don't care. Um, All right. I don't even eat Matt? fast food. <laughs> I mean, it has us talking about it, but yeah. basically by force because of you. Well, yeah, but it's also seemed pretty divisive. Even looking at articles online, there are some people that are just absolutely – 
they hate it. But most people, the general response, I think, is confusion, which I think is very appropriate. And I think that was a tactical move on the part of KFC and Lifetime. Of course. There's like a marketing department where they know this people they'll make this announcement and then like 60% of the population be like, what, what is this chicken company making movies? They don't make movies. They make chicken. This is crazy. And then share it on Facebook and then their aunt will share it. And then their grandma will share it. And that's how it works. I do want to find the, cause there's a production company that's based on this. Okay. Here it is. So, cause I do want to, I want to bring this up because this could mean that there are more of these in the future. So the movie is coming out Sunday, the mini movie, sorry, Sunday, December 13th, year of our Lord 2020 at 12 PM on lifetime. So this, <laughs> this, this article said, this is one of those sentences that gets weirder with every word, a mini movie on lifetime presented by KFC starring Mario Lopez as Colonel Sanders airing at 12 PM on Sunday, December 13th. It's also one of those sentences that makes less sense with every word and with every passing second. I had a lot of things to do today, but now I'm consumed only by profound pressing questions about this film that was produced by a subsidiary of the Yum Brands Corporation. (laughs) So that's... I don't, I'm just so baffled and confused by, by this, you know, <laughs> like why, like, do you think, what do you think the uh, response to this premiere is? Do you think a lot more people than normal will tune into no. this or do you think people will blow it they up? They might watch it on YouTube. No, I don't think anyone's really going to be paying attention to it because they know, I don't think anybody thinks it's actually real or legitimate. Much like myself, I think everybody's just going to kind of look at it and go, or like a collective sigh, you know, just a, oh, okay. And then just like move on with their life. I mean, it's just, I, I just don't think food things staging like some kind of weird promotional 15-minute mini movie. It's just, eh. eh. Well, it's an episode of Robot Chicken. It seems like a movie Robot that Chicken be actually had like content though. It was like really funny. It, it seems like it would be a better movie for theaters back when they existed. <laughs> no. Oh, the 15 minute no, movie no, no like for like in the preview like before you watch your real movie oh like a featurette oh, yeah, yeah like the cartoon like you know like those coke movies they tried to do oh yeah where it's like oh we won some award from coke here's our movie and it's like the worst oh movie yeah and they had the short about turning your cell phone off no it's like something like where robots like drink coke or steal coke from somebody and yeah, like I always wondered, how do I like make one of those? Well, you have to have no talent and be bland, and that's how you make it in corporate America. Oh, man. Huh. Speaking of corporate America, <laughs> well, anyway, I know I'm going to be tuning in to uh, <laughs> a recipe for seduction on December 13th. Oh, my God. So Tell that me we now. can make sure to get you, the diligent viewer, the inside scoop on, uh, on this I don't want to this anomaly. Listeners, you can't see this right now, but Zach is actually accepting a big bag of money from the Yum Corporation for this ad. Hey man. Some I mean <clears throat> somebody's got to. Yeah. Oh god. 
You're right. Okay, are you ready anyway, to talk about let's Christmas? Let's move on to uh, Christmas? The, the Christmas episode. More on this story as it develops. Oh, Tweet at us at uh, Great Movie Showdown. Uh, <laughs> use the hashtag. Stop talking about KFC. Question mark? Yeah. Question mark? Question mark? Can you hashtag a question mark, though? I, I, I have a feeling it might be one of those characters. That hashtag the word hashtag. question mark. Yeah, hashtag oh, the word yeah. question mark. But then what if people are thinking that we're questioning a guy named Mark? Oh, yeah, it's true. Why are we like questioning Mark from Friends or something? <laughs> I really oh, want to talk about my Christmas movie. Okay. okay. I'm just going to hit the random number generator so we can get our first movie. We got to talk about KFC. I want to talk about this. It's an amazing Christmas movie. You ready, guys? We landed on five. That means it's a movie I put in. Uh, 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 The Ref. Oh, yes. Nobody's seen that movie. movie I have not seen that movie. I have no idea what it's about. You haven't seen it? Do you know? Will hasn't seen a movie. That should tell you something, Matt. Yeah. It's like I watch that every year. Well, I don't even I've know. I've never what, heard yeah, of it. No one's heard of it. Okay, I'll explain. So I'm going to be using some actor's name that is no longer oh God. like a good person. Mm. So maybe that's going to ruin your viewing experience. Probably. But basically, it's a movie from the 90s okay. with Dennis Leary. He's, he's still a good person. person. No, uh, yeah. Kevin Spacey. Okay. This is basically, oh. it's basically a burglar that like steals from a house and then he's on the run from the police. So he takes a family hostage and that family has their family coming over for Christmas. And it's like very dysfunctional and they swear they like, like he threatens to kill everybody, but it's like, it's like a dark comedy. And it's, it. it's, it's really good. It's well like worth it. watching. It sounds like a decent movie to see. Yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued. It's probably like the most adult Christmas movie I've ever seen, but I haven't seen more than Bad Santa. Yeah, I was gonna say. I seen and the Family one. Stone's pretty grown up. Family yeah. Stone's pretty. I, I never watched that one. The Family Stone's good, but I, I swear to God, don't hit the random number generator. I'm ready to talk about this movie because I just want to talk about it. It needs to be said. So whoever five people actually listen to this podcast, go and watch this movie. It's important. God damn it. Okay. Okay. I have the floor. This little movie was made in 2003, um, made by one of my favorite oh. filmmakers, and nobody has seen it because everyone I talk to always goes, wow, okay, I'll check it out. Is it in English? And I go, please don't watch it in English. It ruins everything. It's directed by Satoshi Kon, um, the guy who directed uh, Perfect Blue and Paprika and Ghost in the Shell. He also made Tokyo Godfathers, okay. which is... Uh, about three homeless people who find a baby abandoned in the garbage and basically just trying to uh, return it back to its mom. Now, it's also a play on a uh, very old kind of story of uh, the biblical magi. Like literally there's three you know, magical kings who go to celebrate Jesus' birth and stuff. Well, this is like a twist on that where if like, you know, they found Jesus and stuff. And it's not any version of that at all. It's a very modern telling. Okay. And um, – one of the characters um, is this like – I don't want to spoil too much because I really want you guys to watch it. But they all have interesting stories on how they ended up on the street, every single one of the characters. And one in particular was revolutionary for the time, and that is, of course, the uh, the trans character. And she's wonderful. She's amazing. She's my favorite character in the movie because she's the heart and soul of it. And I just feel like everyone needs to see it because it's such a feel-good story. And it's beautiful animation – 
um, unlike anything I've ever seen because this was like it impacted me when I was like 12 years old. And I knew nothing about like the fact that anime could be just kind of there, but not have like robots, uh, fucking awesome fight scenes, uh, just action packed plots. I mean, you know, I was only introduced to say like Cowboy Bebop, uh, Dragon Ball Z, Gundam, yeah. everything like that. It was kind of popular to Toonami at the time. And then I stumbled across Tokyo Godfathers, which had just come out in like 2003. So I would have been. I would have been about 13 years old, actually. So I just lied there. I would have been 13. And Will, so the name of this movie is Tokyo Godfathers? Yep. Okay. Because it's on the list. I need to get rid of it then. Yeah, get rid of it. Don't worry about it. Because I just, I just, in case we never got to it, I wanted to say it now. Please, everyone who could possibly listen to this, watch it. It's beautiful. It's amazing. It's so hard. Will, where can you're going to cry. You're going to laugh. Yes. Uh, it's available on Amazon. Uh, Apple, uh, you know, Apple TV and stuff, pretty much anywhere. I, I even saw it, I think, for sale right now on uh, Voodoo. You know, Voodoo, V-U-D-U. It's, it's on sale for like eight bucks, I think, on Voodoo right now. Is it on Quibi? I have no idea. I don't think so. Quibi went out of business and uh, <laughs> due to terrible business huh. practices. <laughs> but uh, all yeah. right, that's it. That's our spiel. I just wanted to bring that up because it, it's it's a little unknown gem that literally I know nobody knows about. Everyone should watch. It should be a Christmas classic. I love it. Well, I, mean, I, don't, I, don't, I don't watch anime, but if I did, I would watch it. Just treat it like oh a Disney God. animated movie. Just watch it like that under that lens and you'll be fine. Um, I don't know if you can. You can. I mean, it's got some really adult themes, but just, you know, watch it like a regular old animated movie. That's it. Okay. <laughs> Give it a shot. 16. <laughs> What the Grinch. It? So I just wrote the Grinch. Oh, and yeah, I feel which, like the Grinch. There's, I feel like we could talk about all of them. I haven't seen the latest animated. I have not. I refuse to see it honestly because I feel like anything beyond um, Boris Karloff's uh, version of the animated one and obviously Jim Carrey, I just give up on because those are my two. I really like the animated Whoa. one and then the Jim Carrey that came after. Jim Carrey to me is iconic as a Grinch. That's it. There's- you know, he went through Navy SEAL pain tolerance training for that costume. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Really? Like, yeah, he had to go through then, basically the, what, how they would torture yeah. people to get information out. And then of it goes them. one but step further, though. It goes one step further because then Ron Howard heard about the the serious kind of like discomfort that Jim Carrey went through, and so he said, "I will direct for one day, like an entire day, as like in makeup as the Grinch, just to like show solidarity with Jim because like he was going through a really tough time." That's. <laughs> Really cool. <laughs> he did that honestly, and it's it. in the uh, behind the scenes footage yeah. stuff on the DVDs. So it was it was cool to see that Ron Howard's like, you know what? All right, man, yeah. <laughs> I'll get in there and do it with you for one day. <laughs> that's yeah, dude. That's a that's a good move on a director's part. Anytime you can um like bring solidarity with uh, the actors and the the team. Oh when man, they're doing something really heavy like that. That's. Props to him. Yeah, wow. but it also had these like contact lenses that would go all the way around the eyeball yep. that you would have to have on. Yep, which I can't imagine that being comfortable at all. It's it's why uh, I think so Rick Baker did it? win the Academy Award that year, though. I'm, I'm almost it positive. did win an award for makeup. Yeah. So how much of like when you see the Grinch is it all real? Yeah. What do you mean? Like it's not and, CGI uh, or anything? No, 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 no. None no, of his makeup is CGI. 
No, it's all real. No, that was him in a costume. And it was hot and it was heavy and it was gross, but he also was such a physical performer, it would even make it worse. He would actually stretch the makeup and Rick Baker had to keep – like he – Jim Carrey was the single solitary reason by the time um, I think Lord of the Rings was coming out. When did the Grinch actually come out? 2000. Uh, right? 2000. Oh, okay. And Rick Baker – had to invent a type of makeup because before they would just plaster this whole thing. But because Jim Carrey is so animated, they had to break it down and like glue specific pieces on so that Jim Carrey could still have that plasticity with his face and he could still do what he wanted to do. That's why I'm so confused because I just Googled, I never watched this version. Maybe I've like seen parts of it, Mm -hmm. but like every picture is a different facial expression. That's why I'm. Yeah. And it was so even a smile is like, looks like cartoonish. It's insane. Well, that's what I mean. And, and are you looking at the Grinch or the mask? I'm looking at the Grinch. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Jim Carrey's Grinch. And so Rick Baker literally said, okay, let's just break the mask apart and glue it on all separately. So he could still do all the crazy shit. And it was like the first time it had ever been done. Cause usually they just fucking, Put like just slap a whole mask on you and you just kind of perform. Think like uh, a Planet of the Apes style, but this is Jim Carrey we're talking about, and so they had to do it needed to be done, and it turned I wonder out. Wonder how much he got paid for that movie? <sighs> Who Rick Baker? <laughs> no, Jim Carrey. Yeah, Jim Carrey like, and Rick Baker for real. Like usually when you get like uh, it's just like based on your name, really, like not like what you actually have to go through. <laughs> and Rick Baker did a bunch of stuff for uh, Star Trek, right? He was the primary. And he did the groundbreaking there. visual effects on a Werewolf in London. Oh, yeah. He, wow. Yep. That's what made him burst onto the scene. And then later on, he won the Academy Award again for makeup for um, The Wolfman, the, the newer one that was full of CGI. But the Academy knew better. Thank God. At least... Is that like a Guillermo de Tel Toro? No, 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 no. That was that was in production hell for years because it was. I think like Mark oh, Romanek was going to. Del Toro was in the movie. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And okay. it was like his passion project. But we're not getting into that. But the point is, Rick Baker finally won the Academy Award for makeup again for that movie. More importantly, The Grinch, easily quotable. My family and I watch it every year because we know every single line from the Grinch in that movie. It's kind of insane, actually. I used to perform a little bit. You like the movie more than the original cartoon? Yeah, I have to I have to say I do. I love Jim Carrey as the Grinch, because literally we, we did it all the time. We, I think it's on Netflix. Maybe I'll watch it. You got to watch it. It's important that you watch it, because it's... Even as a kid, like it like was confusing to me. <laughs> how they're making a 30 minute cartoon into a full length movie what's even like, better like, is like the movie got even better as i got older because the jokes the adult jokes would be in there and so it just it's instant it, you can just grow with it when i was a kid i loved it because all yeah. the silly shit jim carrey did and then as i got older the grown-up well, yeah joke, i remember it wasn't super well received initially uh-uh. i don't think. no not at all it was it critically got panned dude like critics yeah. hated this fucking movie but everyone went and saw it like it made if you right. adjust for inflation, I swear to God, this movie must have made about a billion dollars. It had to. So many people went and saw it. They loved it. So it didn't matter what critics thought. Let um, me see. But one joke in particular still gets me every time because of the delivery. And it's the um, <laughs> the babies are coming down in the um, whatever, the little baskets, whatever. And they're like floating down. And one floats in on this couple's house. And the, the husband comes out. Oh, honey, the baby's here. <laughs> He looks like kind of like your boss. <laughs> that shit has me dying, dude. Every time, like now, we just quote it out of hand because it's just 
Like as a kid, I didn't get it. I didn't get it, but I thought it was funny the way he said it. And then as I got older, I was like, damn, that's savage, dude. That is harsh. <laughs> like that's messed up in a kid's movie. That was awesome. And then same thing with uh, the tree that he he lands in, and then like you see through the window, they're having an adult party. Like they're all the adults are getting together in the in the town in Whoville, and they're dropping their keys. Yeah. They're dropping their keys in this little like uh, fishbowl, as we all know what that means. <laughs> oh like, yeah, that's what I mean. Like as, as a kid, you're just like, huh, that's funny. And then like as an adult, you're going. Man, they're doing some stuff. <laughs> they're getting busy. Oh, that's great. I love that movie. I do. I love it. I, I like uh, Roger Ebert's review. He said, a dank, eerie, weird movie about a sour creature. Yep. And he said, there should be a jollier production design and a bright look overall. It's just not much fun. Yeah, he, wow. he was known to be wrong on some stuff. stuff. He wasn't perfect, but he was my favorite it's movie like, critic. Yeah, it's like everybody. When you're a critic, your job is to like not be happy. <laughs> well, I think like uh, Ebert was a little different, where he would like know what the movie is meant to be. Like he's not going to judge like a random like teen movie, yeah. like a like an Oscar movie. Well, he like, also just, was uh, the only critic who would like go out of his way to screen a movie that he liked that he knew nobody else liked and i'm talking about critics he was known that's why he started ebert fest in chicago and it still goes on to this day he started it because he wanted smaller films indie films that he really liked he would champion them and and do what he could to get them promoted and stuff and they thought that was like a big faux pas all the other critics were like why would you do that you shouldn't do that you know we're critics supposed to be impartial and yet he was hanging out with scorsese before scorsese was scorsese like he was he was literally <laughs> trying to get everyone to watch mean wow. streets he, he was trying to tell hollywood this guy's gonna be something and and that's what i mean like he he was huge he was huge that's what makes me like sad that he's dead because he was like the one guy where people always like respected his opinion, even if they didn't agree with it. Yeah, but he had a really good team of writers who are now running his site, and they have a really great editorial. I still go on RogerEber.com and read the uh, the video essays. Or I'm sorry, I watch the video essays and I read the essays on film. There's like some – they do excerpts from different writers and stuff like that. I still know their names mm. too. Matt Zoller's sites is the site editor. Brian Tallarico is a great writer. Odie Henderson – um, I'm forgetting some of the other writers, but they're all fantastic. I love to read their essays on film. They're all they're all. Odie is the uh, dog from Garfield. <laughs> uh, so I, I spun the wheel, and we have a all new right. we have a new movie. This one is even more generic than The Grinch. It's a Christmas Carol, and which I, one? Just whatever one you want to talk about. I want to talk about the uh, 1990s Patrick Stewart Christmas Carol. I never saw it. It was good. It had Patrick Stewart in it. The Ghost of Christmas Future looked like a tall Jawa. <laughs> it was just a hood with glowing eyes, and it freaked me out. Zach, before before you go on, I just want to yeah. let you know, let you both know, that Scrooged has its own spot. So don't Why? Talk, don't talk about Scrooged. I was going to say, um, I feel like we should have eliminated any parody versions of a Christmas Carol. <laughs> well, I, I've never seen Scrooged. I just, like, I know it's a popular one, so I added it on the list. So Will could talk about it or somebody else. <laughs> well, it's a Christmas Carol. Let's talk about okay. a Christmas Carol. Yeah. It's good. It's well-written. I actually like read the book 
and it was good. And I'm like, oh man, I really like, uh, I really like the alliteration here and how things are described. Like just, I think the first page he's talking about the door knocker or he goes on for half a page about what does it mean to be as dead as a doornail? And it's like, <laughs> really, there's like half a page of that, of psychoanalyzing what that means. I'm like, wow, man, I don't know how you did it, but all right, I'm into it. <laughs> but what if I, I think one of the parts that I remember most about a version of this, and I'm not sure if it, I think it's the Patrick Stewart one, but it might be a different one. But there was a bit, and it's probably in multiple ones, where the ghost of Christmas present pulls open his weird robe thing, and there's these two like naked, wretched children underneath his robe. What and the they're supposed hell? to be like greed and pestilence or something. Or like I don't remember what they what they're supposed to be. But it's supposed to be like a negative thing. And then uh, Ebenezer's like, put them away. I wish not to look at them anymore. And he's like, look at their faces. Look at them. And they're just under his robe like they were under there the whole time. It's really weird. <laughs> and it's something that always just kind of stuck with me. as like, that's kind of a cool effect, but also really creepy. But the whole thing's supposed to be like a fever dream anyway, right? Yeah, kind of like it's a wonderful life. <laughs> I want to live again, Clarence. I want to live again. <laughs> well, so, uh, does anyone else have anything to add to? Uh, I know Disney did a version of this where um, Jim Carrey. Yeah, I watched it. Yeah, yeah, where uh, Ebenezer or Scrooge McDuck played the provincial part of Scrooge. Yeah, which... there's uh, two Disney versions where, yeah, um, yeah the one like. That's like the live action one that you're talking about, right, Will? Yep. The Jim Carrey one. It's yeah, not the live action. Also- it's a, what's it called? Um, motion capture. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What is it? Like Polar Express live yep. action, what? right? Yep. Yeah. And then there's also the one with like Mickey and Donald and Daisy and whatever. Is that where Scrooge was introduced in the Disney canon? No, it was introduced <laughs> Well, there's also like the Muppets that that have done it. Well, no, I mean Scrooge McDuck from Disney. I don't know. I I know that he shows up and he has a Scottish accent. And I watch a lot of those Mickey Mouse cartoons, like the newer ones. Right. They're really well done. I feel like I got to watch the Patrick Stewart version and the Scrooge McDuck version. And I feel like I should watch the Muppets Christmas Carol as well at some point. I've watched it before, but I was really young. Are you are you all ready to move on to the next one? Hang on, I'm trying to figure out when uh Scrooge. Okay, so Scrooge has been around before uh before that. Okay. Yeah. Well, you so know, I was wondering if they just, yeah. just uh made him for that movie and then we're like, oh, hey, okay. DuckTales, let's do that. <laughs> okay. Never mind. I, I thought you were talking about like the the actual story. Like you didn't know it was from the 1800s. the Charles Dickens. Yeah, Dickens, I was right. like, okay, or okay, Zach. Like you would probably know this. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it is interesting how that story has been adapted. Basically, every TV show when they're like, "Well, we got to do a Christmas episode. Let's just fucking do a Christmas Carol and put our characters into it." <laughs> I was actually in a Christmas Carol one time at school. Yeah, I used to sing Christmas carols. 
No, no, I was I was like the ghost of future, and I had I never like went to any of the rehearsals. They just they just like shoved me in the play at the end, and they just told me to stand somewhere and point. Mm. And I <laughs> I know it, they just needed me, and they just told me to do that. What was the wardrobe like? I don't remember. I think I wore my regular clothes. <laughs> the whole maybe thing like, about I had, like, a on me. you don't see him. It was just like really weird. Wow. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't have any lines. He just points. Spooky. I don't know why they needed me. Like, I'm just. Well, when was this? Like maybe senior year of high school. It was before my epic performance of uh, FDR. <laughs> Not a lot yeah, of people could say they played a president in a stage production. Yeah. Um, maybe like ten percent of the population. So. That's. I don't know about that. That seems like a lot. Maybe like two point five. If that, probably less, honestly. Probably like 0.5, I would say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Anyway. I mean, there's a lot of people. Yeah, let's get back to it. Matt, spin that wheel. I already spun the wheel. Let me just confirm the number. It is, in fact, Claws. Claws? It's one of Will's movies. It is Claws the movie? That's not the, the new Christmas movie with... It is. Uh, it's with um, J.K. Simmons does the voice of what would be this version of um, Santa Claus, but he's not so holly jolly when we meet him. And then um, I'm actually trying to pull it up here on IMDb because it's terrific. It, I didn't know what to think of it because it's, it's a you know Netflix production. I hate to say it, but Netflix doesn't exactly have the best track record. Okay, so Jason Schwartzman plays the um, this mailman who comes to this small village he's he just basically wants to do stuff his own way and he he sees that this town basically does nothing with its mail almost nothing because it's it's a frozen town there's like two warring rich families that um have pretty much thrown the whole town against each other and claus is this man who lives outside of the town he's up in the woods and he likes to make toys you don't really know why but as the film progresses and he uses this um, kind of newfound uh, affection he has for the kids in the town, because our mailman starts to realize like, Hey, you know, these kids, you know, it's not their fault that their parents hate each other and they're just trying to play, you know, what can I do to kind of bring this town together? And he's like, I can deliver toys. And, you know, he sees this big burly man and all his white hair. He's like, "I, I could really use you. You like to make toys and, you know, we could deliver them. He goes, I don't know. And he did. This guy has made so many toys you don't really you never found out why or i'm sorry i mean you do find out why but you never it doesn't drop the shoe doesn't drop to the end of the film and i don't want to spoil it for you guys but it's a very hard it's a heartfelt story it definitely made me well up a couple of tears especially watching it with the kids because it it's very emotional by the end of it to me it was it was it was actually it deserved to be like more better promoted and it, it should have gotten like at least some kind of nomination from somebody because it was it, one of the better animated films I saw last year. It was it yeah, looks it really look at screen for, grabs. It looks uh, interesting. Animated picture. I'm on the Wikipedia. It, it was. Oh wait, a one. No, uh, Toy Story four, a favorite of our show. One. Okay, <laughs> but it was nominated for a cat. Oh, it was. Yeah. yeah. All right. Fuck yeah. All right. So, what was right. it nominated for? Best animated film, I think. Okay. Yeah, I mean, because I'm seeing like a, a video link here where it's like how 
how they made 2D animation look 3D. Oh. So this is an actual 2D animated film. Yeah, it's it one of my new favorite Christmas movies. I actually was planning on watching it again this this year because it mm-hmm. it is so well animated. Number one, the animation is gorgeous because it looks like it was is like paint painted kind of like matte painted yeah. but made 3D. But all the characters are like that, and it's such an original animation style. And then. All the little quirks, everything you think you know about Santa, the film does a different original spin on. And like I said, it's just got this huge beating heart behind all the characters. And it, it's it's really nice. It's, it is. It is such a, a warm-hearted film. And I just really loved J.K. Simmons as Santa. He, his voice was terrific. And the story behind him and why he makes all these toys. And then also the fun uh, little quirk they do with the, the elves. When you find out who the elves are going to be it, uh, you'll get a good giggle i won't want to spoil anything but everyone please if you haven't seen it already watch it and it's on netflix yep netflix original oh. movie. all right yeah that's next fun to watch oh you'll love it thank you for that will yep see i was thinking it was that that santa claus movie with kurt russell or whatever the one that was like <laughs> oh, live action. Uh, the Christmas Chronicles. My kids like those yeah, movies. I, yeah. I haven't gotten around to watching them. I don't know if they're my speed. I have the Santa Claus for that. I have the Tim Allen movie for that. I still haven't watched that one either. Uh, 23. <sighs> Let's go find 23. That is, is The Nightmare Before Christmas. Ah. Oh. Did we talk about this one in our Halloween episode? I don't think we did, did we? I don't know if we did, but it's one of those dual threat movies. It definitely is. Yeah. I mean, it was pretty smart on, uh, on their part to have a movie that has a market for two holidays. Yeah. Like technically what you could probably watch this movie September through (laughs) December. So like a third of the year. What was that? When did it come out? I'm going to say 93. Well, no, but I mean, uh, when, uh, like what time of the year? Oh, yeah. Out, Halloween or Christmas? What Let's what I see. think we, we have to address, though, is the elephant in the room, which is Danny Elfman's music in that film. He actually is and the singing. voice. Yeah, he is the voice of, of Jack. Came out. And I'm what so is so lovely about his, his, um, his singing in the film is that it wasn't intentional. He was just recording these tracks for Tim Burton. And Tim Burton was just going, okay, yeah, that works, that works. And Danny Elfman eventually was going, hey, so uh, what are we doing? Are you getting this guy to sing? Like, who who are we who are we gonna do? He goes, no, 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 these are fine. You'll be great. And he goes, wait a minute, what? I'm sorry. And he's, <laughs> he goes, yeah, these no, these work. These are great. We're just gonna I'm gonna give these to um at the time it I think the guy's name is Selnik, who is the leader of like the animation stop motion, which would become Leica. Um. And that's the guy who actually directed it, believe it or not. Tim Burton produced it, but the actual guy, I think it's like Tom Selnick or something. I can't remember his name. Yeah, Tom or Henry Selick. Henry Selick, thank you. And he was just yeah. passing along this music to him. Tim Burton was just going, okay, thanks, Danny, and giving it to this guy. And so they were going to animate it. They were going to do this. He had the story laid out. And eventually Danny Elfman goes, so I guess I'm the voice of Jack then. All right, all right. This is going <laughs> to... Well, that's a weird way for that to happen. Voice, right? Of, of Jack? Huh? I think he's just the same. Yeah, voice, no, right? he is the voice. No, he's the voice. Oh, okay. No, no, no. Jack or Chris Sarandon. Yeah, right. Okay. Is the uh, Jack Skellington? No way. Yeah, it says view ten more. Wait, wait. All right. Yeah, I'm gonna have to. Now you're gonna make me do this. Hold on, Nightmare Before Christmas. Because as far as I know, he um, was, yeah, speaking voice is Chris Sarandon. Singing voice is Danny Elfman. That is funny. 
And then Catherine O'Hara is Sally and is also the mom in Home Alone. Oh, yeah. Oh. So um, I remember, like, being afraid of this movie as a kid, just seeing, like, previews of yeah. it. Like, where somebody's like, what did you get for Christmas? And then they pulled out, like, a head and started screaming. Oh. Yeah, that was pretty scary. And then I tried watching it this year for the first time, and I got really bored because it felt like it, it went from song to song. And I was just watching it like before I went out somewhere, I think. And then I just turned it off yeah. and then didn't bother going. No back to it. sacrilege, man! Anytime this movie is, it, it, and it's, it's all the all the goth people and all the hot topic people that wear this stuff all the time. <laughs> oh my god, you're shitting all over this movie! I can't. Okay, you know what? I mean, to be, this is kind of like their um their mecca yeah you guys like you you guys celebrate jesus christ we celebrate jack skeleton oh my god yeah you guys are horrible no this movie's magical it's wonderful let me go listen to the new corn album it's it's such a beautiful simple little story and also what i love the most is it tells a very original story about someone who is sick of doing the same thing every day doesn't love what they do anymore and so they try something else finds out they suck at it and it's yeah. nice to have a, a kid's movie about a protagonist who learns that, hey, no, once again, you cannot be everything you want to be. Sometimes you have to realize what you're actually good at. And even though you try and try, it just it's not going to fit. And there's a reason why things aren't working out for you because you have this yeah, thing that he, you're meant to he, do. He, jol- he jauntily decided that putting severed heads in present boxes was a good idea. And don't forget kidnapping Santa Claus and that whole thing, which is funny oh, because I love the I love the fact that this film dares you to be sympathetic to a guy who's the cause of all the main problems, like even down to yeah. Santa Claus being in the slimy clutches of the Oogie Boogie Man. It's like, dude, Jack, that's your fault. <laughs> so also, you better go fix it. Also, it's interesting to note that apparently Christmas Town has an Air Force. <laughs> So guys, it, it seems a lot like Wreck It Ralph, where it's just somebody like, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to do yeah. something else. And yep. then yeah. just screws up worlds everywhere. <laughs> oh, so our That's next true, one, yeah. it could be really quick. I added this while I was waiting for Will to join. Sure. I put Mickey's Once and Twice Upon a Christmas. Have you guys seen those? Nope. No. So they're just like a bunch of little Christmas stories with all like the main Mickey Mouse people. Nothing really interesting. Yeah. Just like random stories. Was one of them the uh, the Christmas Carol? No, I don't think so. <laughs> oh, that wasn't included in those? It's just like little random stories. And then at the end, they tell you the true meaning of Christmas and stuff like that. Like it's like stuff where... Like Donald just wants to drink hot cocoa, but he never has time to do it, and he ends up like ruining Christmas or something. And then there's there's like one where like Minnie or Mickey yells at Pluto, and then Pluto runs away, and then Mickey has to go find Pluto. Just, just stuff like that. Nope. We can move on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's just like spin that wheel. It's like simple, just mindless Christmas movies. Simple, mindless Christmas movies. Oh, oh, there there is a line where where Pluto like destroys all the Christmas movie or all the Christmas decorations, and then he makes a comment like, "How am I supposed to clean all this up and fix it? I'm not a source. What am I, a sorcerer? I get it, Fantasia. 
What a what a deep cut! Yeah. Wow. I mean, uh, like yeah. their their main demographic is probably like four year olds, so it's a deep cut for for them. <laughs> Let me go to that random number generator so we can stop talking about this. Twenty nine. We already talked about it. Tokyo Godfather is becoming nice. New. It follows. <laughs> 11 this is a map movie lethal weapon which i put on for you oh there's nothing like having a christmas movie begin with uh an actual person being thrown out of a window and falling to their death and then cutting to mel gibson attempting to blow his brains out before he quits and uh cries his eyes out instead it's great huh. merry christmas so i don't everybody. think i've seen lethal weapon since like the 90s i'm pretty and sure i watched that or wait, no. Oh no, I was thinking of True Lies. And then Gary Busey, is- Gary Busey holds his wrist over a flame and holds it there until told to remove so, it to show how well, badass what, he is. What, what makes this Christmas? Is it just Shane Black makes it Christmas because he puts Christmas in all of his movies? That's it. Point blank and period. You know, it's funny. It's like the other movie I put on this list. <laughs> we might, we might run into it. We might yeah. not. Do you have anything else to say about Lethal Weapon? Yeah. Uh, all I gotta say is. This is the birth of Crazy Mel, you know, with the guy attempting to jump off the roof. And he... <laughs> Before or after Jesus. Oh, it's so great. Yeah, exactly. He's clearly Mel Jesus of the 80s with that wild mullet. I mean, there is the fight scene that happens at the, um, what is it? The, uh, the, 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 the Christmas tree um, sale place, whatever. Like right outside the, you know what I'm talking about, when he slaps the one guy and he, he acts all crazy and stuff and... And no, I, don't know. I haven't seen this movie since the 90s. All right. Well, all I'm saying is it's got Christmas around it, okay? And it, it's Christmassy. And he chokes out Gary Busey um, with Spoilers. All I want to rewatch it one of these days. Right, but I'm saying there's Christmas <laughs> lights around when he does it. So um, he probably used yeah. Christmas lights to do it. No, he doesn't. So my cousin says that um, a movie is a Christmas movie if there's snow in it. Because she would always argue, she'd be like, "Hey, I want to watch Harry Potter," because that's a Christmas movie. Well, they say like Happy Christmas. Yeah, it's just like yeah, there's snow in it, so it's a Christmas movie. I mean, there's also snow in like January and February and even March. Yeah, but she was also like seven, I think, at the time. Interesting. And just really liked Harry Potter. Are any of the other Lethal Weapons worth watching, Will? Yes, all of them are worth watching. I love every single okay. one of them. I, I might need to revisit them because that's something that like seven-year-old Matt watched. No, all of them are just, great. I do. Just like, uh, what was it? Uh, the Long Kiss Goodnight. I watched <laughs> that. Oh, I love The Long Kiss Goodnight. That's one of my guilty pleasures. Is there anything guilty about it? Like has Samuel Jackson, right? Yeah, um, because it's... It also it's, has, uh, what's her face from League of Their Own? Who's yeah, Gina awesome. Davis, and she's fantastic. Yeah. It, but I'm not going to act like it's worthy of any Academy Awards. It's just it's really fun spy action movie written, by, once again, by Shane Black. And it's it has its flaws, clearly. Like I said, this is the movie... You guys remember when I was talking about this, this one film that had a character stuck in a freezer, and so she uses her daughter's... Um, I guess you could say like her partial or like her top, what is it called? Like a retainer that, you know, kids use to whatever. Yeah. yeah. Like a uh, right. Thing. So yeah. the kid, she put gasoline in her toy baby doll. The mom did without anyone knowing and tells her daughter, Hey, can I use this thing in your mouth to make sure the gas goes under the door? She does that. And then, then her kid by 
pure coincidence happens to have a match. It's like, here you go, mommy. You know, you that, that, that. And it's like, it's so preposterous that even better, the alcohol, the, the alcohol, the gas leaking under the door also happened to be, I shit you not, they kept the freezer right next to a bunch of wheelbarrows or yeah, a bunch of barrels filled with like flammable stuff in it. So when the character lights the flame, not only does it blow the door open, it blows all of the, the barrels of shit and causes a huge explosion that destroys like half the building and blows the door open, but doesn't kill her and her daughter. <laughs> like, it's just ridiculous, but I love it. Like, it's awesome. It's the best way I can put it. I, I watched Home Alone 2 and... There was like a scene where he had to put a fire out and the sink wasn't working. So he put his head in a toilet and like the whole entire building, like the floor like exploded, but he was still fine. It was just like his hat burnt. Yeah. And that's what it reminds me of. Yeah. See, that's what I mean. Like, and then this movie's trying to take it seriously. Whereas that movie's like a comedy and it's supposed to be. Yeah. Or they like have like a skeleton. Yeah. So yeah, that's what I mean. It's a guilty okay. pleasure. It's a guilty pleasure. Uh, okay, we got another movie. Oh, we got Home Alone, dude. Home Alone is. I f- I feel like every kid wanted to do this, like fight bad guys that were storming. I mean, this is basically Dunkirk if you think yeah. about it. <laughs> I mean, I would say like Dunkirk. a a a version of the Alamo where the Texans don't die and it's one kid. Because <laughs> yeah. you know the bad guys oh, are coming in, and he defends his. Well, I mean, yeah, it's definitely a scaled down version of Dunkirk or the Alamo. <laughs> it is pretty great. Or though. we can throw Zulu in there, maybe. Yeah, Zulu. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I mean, he was outnumbered two to one in Home Alone. <sighs> yeah, for real, dude. And then old Snow Shovel Man at the end comes in with the save. Uh, can we can we talk about uh, Home Alone two and Home Alone? one about how it's like a carbon copy that's how most sequels are matt yeah no but it's like specific like carbon it's like well like they have the shovel man in the first one then they have the pigeon lady in the second one correct and then they have the thing where like he was beating him the whole entire time then he got caught i will say this though i will say this the first one is the original and it's great and I love it. It has all the original gags to, you know, like I can't knock it. But the second one has my favorite scene ever with him chucking the fucking bricks off the, off the roof at them. <laughs> it is still one of the funniest things ever. And then the second I one is when he gets like electrocuted. Right. And like each yeah. time, like, like when he wakes up after he gets hit with the, the last brick and shit, and he's just like, Harry and then like when he gets when he gets electrocuted and like you see the fucking skeleton version of him and shit that is iconic dude the screams that he was able to do are hilarious what i want to know is why did these why did joe pesci (laughs) and his his uh are they brothers yeah bandits or something yeah Yeah, i don't think they're brothers the wet bandits yeah whatever well these two criminals realize that kevin is in new york at some other place that they're trying to rob or whatever and they don't just go all right let's walk away let's do the smart thing and just walk away because they're still doubting him because he's a kid yeah and also so they're like hey a movie if they did that so well that's true yeah <laughs> yeah but that's what they should have done but also um 
like what would have happened in Home Alone if the uh, the snow shovel man hadn't come along? Would they have just killed Kevin? <laughs> I guess so. That's how it would it have been like a life. like a flick hopper situation. <sighs> a bird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, but the, the I love how they introduced. I do love how they introduce snow shovel man at the very beginning when they look at him and they're like, Oh, he puts salt out. And then at night the salt turns into mummies. And it's one of those things that as an adult, you're like, that's the stupidest thing ever. But as a kid, I remember watching it and that being like the thought of that being super creepy to me and scary. Yeah. See, that's the thing. It it, it works in that regard though, that it's, you know, what's funny is I always have this conversation with other adults who are like, oh, that kid's movie, man, I don't really care for it. I'm going, all right, see what you just did there? Some movies, it's okay. They don't have to be perfect. They're just mm-hmm. made for kids. Leave it alone. Like, you can't knock a film for appealing to kids if it's made yeah. for kids. Like, we, I it's think- funny, we have a whole thing on literally Disney movies and Pixar movies, and we always talk about, like, you know, they're made for everyone, and they're so great, such great filmmaking. Yes, but there are also other films that are just not that and that's okay like there's enough space in our movie fandom and and movies in general for there to be other films that are just they just appeal to kids we know they're stupid but they're stupid fun leave it alone well i i think like you can make an argument that they're stupid and you turn your brain off but yeah i i feel like so many adults maybe it's nostalgia like how do your kids feel about those movies honestly they like them my son in particular likes both of them I don't. I think he also like likes the third one as well. Yeah, he likes the third one. Third one's the one with the RC car, right? Yeah, that one. When he like mounts a camera to it in early two thousands before GoPro. Yep, exactly. You still remember? Good job. And there was the whole thing. There was a gag about the pool. Um, yeah. So I mean, it's okay. It, Which I think that was actually the first Home Alone movie that I watched. Wow. Really? Yeah, because I was at some, uh, I was at like a YMCA camp or something. Yeah. And they're like, "Well, here's Home Alone 3. So I think I watched this in the middle of July just because that was the VHS that they had. <laughs> was it a and, Christmas movie? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because he gets he gets like an RC. It's a different kid. It's not it's not um Macaulay Culkin. Yeah, I right. Know, it's but, a different I'm not kid. watching it. And yeah, and but it, he uh I don't know if it's the same criminals. No, not even close. No. Not even. It's yeah. like some Russian so dude. So it's just it's, like a whole it's a soft reboot, I guess. It is. It's a soft reboot and doesn't really work. He's a different Spider-Man. He's a different I wonder, I wonder if uh Disney Plus is gonna make its own like home alone remake at some point. I don't know. Wait, is it a Disney? It's not a Disney film. No, it's, it's a twentieth century film. Fox movie, but guess oh, who bought out twentieth century Fox, baby? And now oh, I thought they just bought The Simpsons. No, now they're like 20th Century Movies Studio or something, or, or something weird like that. They removed something. the Fox. Wow. Eventually, everything's just going to be Disney. So, what? Home Alone 1 or Home Alone 2? What's your favorite, guys? Which Ooh. one had the Donald Trump cameo? That was uh, 2. Ah. Uh, was it good? I don't remember. I want to look it up. No, it was something where like, hey, which way to that? And then he pointed at the direction. Honestly, man, right I got to go. I got to go with Home Alone 2 just because of Tim Curry and the, oh, the, yeah. the iconic. Rob like, Schneider. Yeah. Like there's just so much in 2 that really stuck with me as a kid. I, I adored it. And the first one was good. I liked it. And it's actually, to me, the better one. But if you put a gun to my head, I'm like, dude, I got to watch the second one. It's funny. So, So, Will, I, I like, completely agree with what you're saying. I think think Home Alone is a better movie 
and it like kind of created all the things that Home yep. Alone 2 uses. I just like yeah. the location of it. I yep. also want to say, uh, so I just watched the uh, the Donald Trump cameo, and it's funny because he uh, you see Donald trying to take all that screen time after he points him to where he needs to go, and then he turns around, and then he turns back towards camera to watch Kevin walk away. <laughs> so, like, Zach, Donald well, Trump does a double take for some reason. Do you, do you know why Donald Trump is in the movie? Why? Because he... At the time, he owned the hotel, and he said the only way they could use it is if he had a cameo in the movie. Okay. So, yeah. That would have been pre-Apprentice, huh? Yeah, I think so. So Wait, was this Donald Trump's first appearance? No, he was, like, always, like, popular. Oh. Or at least in the 80s. We're not yeah. really old enough to remember a lot of things, but yeah, that's weird. And it man. just shows that Donald Trump c- could like not have half the country hate him if he didn't run for president. But <laughs> then we like if he didn't do that, we could just say like, oh yeah, that guy from the reality TV show that yeah, the guy annoying. that fires people. Yeah, there was a point when you could win a Donald Trump action figure at uh, Chuck E. Cheese if you paid like 2,300 tickets. <laughs> that sounds boring. Do we have <laughs> anything else to say about Home Alone? I feel like we Home Alone, that. I think, is an American classic. I think so. The first two, definitely. Um, it's one of those rare, uh, rare instances where I feel like the sequel does stack up. <laughs> See, there's like parts where I hate it because it's just a copy of it, like a direct copy. Uh, well, I mean, what is a sequel anyway? Like, so for well, sequels, no, there's, like, there's sequels there's where many it, different kinds of sequels. On. Zach, like sequels, yeah. like take the characters and have them in a different story, and this is just like the exact same, like beat for beat. Everything happens. It's just in New York. That's why. I don't know if I said this on the show or if I said it before the show. Yeah, I did say it on the show. That's where I made the hangover comparison. Like, that's exactly what, that's why everybody hated the hangover because it was the same movie, just in a different location. But I think think it works for a Christmas movie, though. I mean, the movie is Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. Like, what... How would you want the Home Alone movie to deviate from the formula Not and still be a Home Alone? Same movie? exact things. Like it's they, Home Alone. It's, I know. I know. But they alone. were they were using like this, even like the same things, like the paint cans and and stuff like that, like the like basically like the same things that hurt the burglars. Happened. To <laughs> what do you want, Kevin, to run out there with a gun? No, but I don't know, like change it up. Maybe just have them like run like from them the whole entire time rather than rather than. Do so it becomes that. like a like what, what is it? Catch me if you can. Yeah, almost like that, like jumping on a subway train or something away from them. Or maybe. Does he not do like, that at all? Or no, he, he's just running around on the street. Maybe having like a goal where he has to like go to a bunch of different places to stop him. I don't know. I'm just throwing out ideas. <laughs> we spent like 10 minutes on this movie and I know this movie well, deserves a lot of time, but we, we got a lot of other movies. 
Well, that, I do want to talk about the sequel formula. So, Matt, there's like three types of sequels, oh as God. I see it. You have the uh, the the bigger, badder sequel, the repackaged sequel, which I guess is how you see this one, and then you have the everything is worse sequel, which I would call the Ghostbusters two, where not that the movie, I think Ghostbusters two is a great film, but where it's like been a while and everyone's kind of washed up at this point like you see the ectomobile at the beginning of ghostbusters 2 just spewing out smog it's all dirty and banged up all the ghostbusters are broke because i guess people don't care about national heroes that saved the town from a bunch of ghosts and then things go wrong again and look who's there to steal a statue of liberty and (laughs) take down a purple gooey man that's right, Harold Ramis. But I also think there's sequels that just move the story along. <laughs> yeah? Yeah, like Lord of the Rings. Oh, boy. What? What? That's the same movie just three times, Matt. They just keep going to throw the ring no, in the volcano. No, it's not. Stop doing that. <laughs> it was a joke Thank in a will. Kevin Smith movie that I even fucking laughed at. But that whole thing about how each movie is literally the same thing over and over again, I would like to point out that it's not the case at all. Like, each time, it's a completely different fucking movie, and we all know that, but everybody just thinks it's funny to say, well, they all walk somewhere. Yes, the whole point is that you're going to different places (laughs) to see different cultures, but the stakes and how characters go about fucking executing anything is vastly different. Literally, the entire structure of each film is completely different each time you actually break it down. But it's a funny joke, and I laugh, too. Well, thank you so much you, for, for helping me with a different point, but that's my exact argument for The Mandalorian, oh. where people keep saying, oh, it's the same thing. He's just going somewhere. Oh, yeah. Fuck oh, no. those people. Yeah. Fuck those people. I yeah. love The Mandalorian. Mandalorian is a treasure. You should be thankful that you get to watch such a wonderfully produced adventure. It's a space samurai western show. That's what it is. He arrives that's somewhere. He has to achieve a goal. We get a little sprinkling yeah. of the plot, and then we move on. But each time yeah. it's different shit. It's cool. Shut up. Why do we have to shit on everything that we like? And the last two episodes have been incredible. Right. <laughs> uh, the Santa Claus. I've never watched it. Uh, uh, Will? It's whatever. I No, I really enjoy it. It's one of those movies that the best way I can put it is – Tim Allen is terrific. The kids are adorable. I love what they did with the elves, how they are all children, but they're not, right? They're meant to be young forever. They're, that's They just look like yeah. kids. and They're like Koroks right. from and Zelda. It's, and it's so adorable, and it means well. And then not to mention what I love most, and it's, once again, everything goes back to Will and like being a dad, but it's true, okay? The point is, is that you have a dad who is kind of disconnected from his kid and just – goes to work he's really good at his job and kind of forgets to actually be a decent parent and so you have this wonderful transformation that he goes through not just being santa claus but also gets a deeper connection with his son via that because before he was so practical he sold toys to kids you know but it was always just about the sell and that's it it was kind of just you know literally he just had almost no soul for it but so becoming santa claus and as the plot moves forward you know, he, he does get to believe in actual magic. It's not just a magic of Christmas, but also it's it's actual magic, that connection that you can have with your child and something that you both believe in and enjoy doing together. And so that's what I like about the film overall is that it it ties that emotional core together really well, especially by the end. 
And it tells a good story of divorce as well. I mean, once again, you know, these are things that you try to sneak in under the radar for kids and kind of help them, you know, have a little. So you'd say this is kind of the antithesis of um, Nicolas Cage's Weatherman. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody throws AIDS at me anymore because I have a crossbow or whatever. (laughs) But also, I wanted to. to bring up, because so you're saying the thing about him having the relationship with his son, which is wholesome. And then if you watch the beginning of Santa Claus 2, his son is like three years older or he's a teenager now. And it opens with him like going to juvie because of how disconnected from his dad he is. It starts with him like spray painting the side of the school. Being like, yeah, yeah my dad's dumb. He's Santa. <laughs> So uh Santa Claus is worth watching. Oh yes, definitely. Eh. Will. Okay. Yes, absolutely. I think it's on Disney Plus, so I might watch it. Yeah, you gotta watch it. Yeah, totally. Okay. I'm gonna hit the wheel. Hit it. Number three. Ooh. Uh I haven't watched this movie. I know it's a Christmas classic. And I like know of all the lines everybody quotes. But it's Elf. Oh, okay, yeah, Elf. Elf was uh, that was a John Favreau movie, right? Oh, speaking of the Mandalorian, the story behind how Elf got made is almost as good as just the movie itself, because Favreau, who had made Zathura, um, mm-hmm. he he wasn't getting a whole lot of let's just say like support from the studio or anyone, even though he had Will Ferrell and you know, you mm-hmm. get a Zoe Deschanel who isn't really like the star that she's, she's how gonna is she, become. I, I just looked oh, it I up. She was in this. Yeah. yeah, she's the I just looked it yeah. Up. How is she in that movie? She must she, be like 13. No, she's or terrific. No, no, no. She's, she's like 20 something, I think, but hold on. You guys we are getting off track. The point is John Favreau, who has this little movie, this little holiday movie that could, and he, he also wants to pay homage to the stop motion uh, films from way back when with little, uh, you know, mm-hmm. references and stuff like that. And it just blows up because once again, I have to repeat the studio wasn't too sure at what they had. Will Ferrell was really only famous for like SNL and a couple of other things. He wasn't also a huge star that he is now. And so when it came out and it did so well, it, it, that's what helped him get the clout with, and I shit you not with Kevin Feige, with everybody over there for what would become Marvel. And he was like, yeah. you know, I can do this. This was literally him going, hey, look, you know, I, I'm, I'm pretty good at this shit. I can do this, man. I can direct it. I can tell a really fun story. And I can also have it like mean something and have a heart to it and stuff like that. And so it's funny that to me, I always watch Elf with this kind of twinkle in my eye going, wow, man, that's mm-hmm. a really good job for John Favreau, man. He really kind of put his chips on yeah. the table. He put his heart into this movie so that he could show everybody like, hey, man, I'm, I can be a legit director. And he was. And now it's a holiday classic. Everyone loves it. My sister, it's her favorite yeah. Christmas movie. Absolutely I favorite. feel like Elf kind of did for Christmas movies what Shrek did for fairy tale movies. Hundred percent. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Elaborate for the audience, though, please. Get well. So this was definitely done in probably more of a, a loving manner than um, <laughs> Shrek. Than <laughs> Shrek was, but yes. How how DreamWorks was founded? It was a bunch of ex Disney and Pixar people that wanted to do their own thing, and that's why you got ants that came out right around a bug's life and similar films like uh what was it the wild and madagascar came out around the same time and so stuff like that and in shrek 
we've talked we've talked about this on the show before where all of the fairy tales are those public domain Disney properties that everyone just associates the Disney IP with the original Brothers Grimm story so like they had they had um Pinocchio look really gross and disgusting in Shrek they had all of these mystical beings done in a way where they weren't they weren't as appealing as the Disney uh the Disney equivalents the three little pigs the I don't think there was a Disney three little pigs um maybe in 2021 there will be but how- well, hold on technically uh in the new Mickey Mouse stuff that's released on Disney plus there was a big yeah. bad wolf three little pigs episode that was released last week <laughs> god damn it Matt but anyway, so that was the big thing about Shrek. And also Lord Farquaad was meant to represent Michael Eisner. And um but with Elf it was it was clear like I think they almost got into hot water for having the elf costume be almost a one to one from the elves in Yep. Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer. Exactly. To the point where at one point they were um they would shoot scenes with Will Ferrell in a blue jacket and then shoot them with him in the green jacket. <laughs> oh. Like back to back. And then they, because of some kerfuffle with the, uh, the right. studio thought that they had the rights to this, but they didn't actually have the permissions to do like this specific <laughs> thing. And then production was, it was crazy. The fact that this movie got made, I mean, testament to them. And I mean, I'm glad that we get cool stuff from John Favreau. I need to watch it. I think it's on yeah. uh, Hulu. I just did a quick Google search. It's a terrific movie. I love it every time it's on. And it always, it gives me good memories. Cause I have, I have really great memories watching it with my older sister and quoting it all the time. And yeah, it's, it's terrific. It's the best way I could put it, man. It's just, it was such a delight because I wasn't so sure about it either. I didn't really care for Will Ferrell at the time. And he won mm. me over, man. It, it's the film he's built for. Now my kids love it too. We, they always joke about putting a yeah. syrup on their pasta, and drinking a whole thing of soda. Oh. <laughs> yeah, and it's not like too – it doesn't feel like a huge investment in it either. It's like, all right, you have a good time when you watch it. It's Absolutely. Not, it's not uh, well. I guess most Christmas movies aren't like find some deeper, dark, whatever. <laughs> uh, but, so yeah, our our next movie. one, this is like a Netflix movie that I put on that I watched recently. I doubt Zach watched it. Maybe we'll watched it. Holiday. Could be Halloween. Holiday. Nope. I don't even no, know what you're talking a, about. It's like basically a movie where this person. God, what's her name? She's like the woman from American Horror Story, but not the other woman that she's like blonde and she's like our age. Stevie Nicks. God, I'm going to Google it real quick. <laughs> I know nothing about it. Stevie Nicks was an American Horror Story. She right? was like for a couple episodes. Emma Roberts. Oh, she was in other stuff I've seen. Yeah, so basically it's just like a movie where like these two people meet each other and 
they decide that they're only going to be dating on holidays. And it's one of those weird premises that doesn't make any sense. Like, why do you need a date for Mother's Day? Why do you need a date for St. <laughs> Patrick's Day? But it, it's one of those, like, turn your brain off movies, and it's fun yeah. to watch. Like, it's terrible. It has a lot of tropes in it that's like that are dumb. And, and it has, like, a scene at the end where somebody, like, talks to somebody and like confesses their love in public and it makes you cringe. So why'd you put this on the list? Cause it's a fun movie to watch. <laughs> it's a fun movie to watch. It makes you cringe. <laughs> well, the end does, but there's like enough funny parts and like the main guy is Australian and, and it kinda, oh, that's cool. And whenever you see him, like you, you either wish you were him or you're like gay for him. Which I was like <laughs> in between both, probably. What? <laughs> what? All right. But it, it's definitely worth watching. All right. It's, it's like, and then there's also like an aunt or something of the of Emma Roberts that looks like ten times older than she actually is because all like this bad plastic surgery. Like you like <laughs> look at her and she's like younger than like Jennifer Aniston or something. But Are you talking like, about Kristen Chenoweth? Maybe. I don't know. What's the next movie? Says so she was oh. Aunt Susan. Maybe, yeah, that could have been her. It, America's heartthrob, Kristen Chenoweth. That's not nice, Matt. <laughs> she looked really bad in that movie. Like I'm looking at her Wikipedia page; it's not that bad. Oh, cinematography by Shane Hurlburt. But yeah, it's a solid movie. Like it's really stupid in the beginning, and then it when they get through all the different holidays, it's funny. And it like starts at Christmas and then it ends at Christmas. So, but you can oh. technically watch the movie at any holiday because it's called Holiday. Oh wow! So, so it's like the uh, it's like Nightmare Before Christmas, but they even got more holiday market share. Pretty much. Hey, yeah. you want to watch Holiday for Mother's Day? <laughs> yeah, because like that ho- that Mother's Day scene is at least five minutes. Wow. Or maybe you could just watch like the scenes from whatever holiday you're celebrating that's also an option <laughs> oh my god or let's move on to the next movie <laughs> yeah matt's trying to pitch us this movie world. hard <laughs> i was actually just trying to kill time because i was like trying to highlight holiday why on on the file and then i i'm having trouble uh, highlighting the number that it belongs on and yeah. Whatever. Let's just keep rolling. Fourteen. Let's go see fourteen. We already did that. That's long kiss goodnight. We've talked about that enough. Twenty-three. <laughs> that's a will movie. Nightmare before Christmas. Oh, already did that. Twenty-seven. That's a will movie. Rare exports. A Christmas tale. Oh hell yeah! Have you guys heard of this movie at all? Has anyone seen no. it? No. No. Oh come on. Uh, all right, so it's this little Swedish film. It it's uh, basically a a horror film. I've heard obviously. of this obscure Swedish film? It's on Hulu. All right, it's been around for a while. Shush the frick up. Point is, is that it's amazing because it it's. I don't want to spoil anything, but it is a play on Krampus, right? Only they literally say no, okay. this is a real Santa Claus, and here's why, and yada yada, and kids start go missing in this little. I don't even think it's a Swedish film. I think it might be like Icelandic or something. I'm on Rotten Tomatoes trying to figure out who the hell made this movie. But it is legitimately terrifying, particularly with like the the old, like skinny, scary little silent uh, Santa Claus that they have. 
And then yeah. all you see by the end of it, is, I don't, oh God, I hate this because I don't want to spoil anything because I want you guys to actually watch it because it's really terrific. Well, why would you put it on this list? All right, fine. All right, whatever. All right, so <laughs> it is really dope because then you find out there's like this secret police force, whatever guys who are looking for Santa Claus, like the. the sounds one, interesting. Right? I actually don't want you to spoil this. And then um, by the end of it, you find out no, because now you screwed yourself. So no, I meant like, why would you put it on the list if you knew that we hadn't seen it? Because I didn't, didn't know if you hadn't seen it. it. I figured maybe you guys had seen it. It's been around for a while, and it's a really good Christmas movie. It's What's it called? Rare Exports: A Christmas Tale. Rare Exports. Yes. Okay. Don't spoil it though. Oh god damn it! Well, anyway, the third act reveal is one of the best reveals I've ever seen in, in this type of horror film, which is more fun than just like jump scare heavy. You know what I mean? It's got horror elements to it, but it's, it, it's just not think like more uh troll hunter than anything. If you guys have okay. seen that movie, I saw that one. Yeah. And so this is where the tone of it is more that way, but it's also really well shot. Um, and <laughs> all I can say is that that third act is terrific. I love it. I did. I loved it for that because it, it really kind of took it, it just upped the ante and where I thought it was going one way, it kind of took a little bit of like a sharp left. And I was going this is the 2010 film. Yeah. And it, it, like I said, just focus on the fact that they gave away the evil Santa in the trailer who's been kidnapping kids. Right. And then, like I said, by the third act, you're, you're going, Oh shit. <laughs> That's all I can say. It, it's freaking fun, dude. I loved it. I loved it a lot. That's it. That's all I can say. I can't say anything else. Oh damn it! I think I, I think I just spoiled it for myself. I you son of a. Well, no, I was looking at images and you saw the giant ice uh, ball with horns sticking out. Oh well, now I do. I didn't see that. Yeah. I thought it was you were talking about something else. No, that's what but... it is, and I'm not going to spoil anything else beyond that. A giant ice ball okay. with horns sticking out. Matt, spin the dice. I've been doing that and just hitting duplicates. Well, keep going. Uh, well, let's it's... talk about bad oh, Santa. Oh, we got it. White Christmas. No, boo. Next. Why do you hate White Christmas? Nobody likes White Christmas. Everyone just says they like White Christmas because it says White Christmas and it's been around forever. I've never heard of it's it. It's a subpar How? musical. How? Or it's a subpar musical. It's like the most, it was one of the biggest Christmas songs. Like top five. Yeah. Oh, the song's fine. The, song, the movie yeah. isn't that great. I haven't like watched the movie all the way through, but I've seen a lot of different See, scenes. Point made. Next. Hold on. Hey, white. Christmas. Like, uh, like, do you remember the scene, like the sisters, where they dressed up in drag? That's pretty good. Yeah. Like as race cars. That's pretty cool. Oh my gosh. No, I White Christmas is a is a good old movie, and it's and it's funny how we see movies. Like during Christmas, we watch movies that are from the 40s. But yeah, you know what? Two movies are better than that. Uh, it's a Wonderful Life and Miracle on 34th Street. Those are timeless Christmas movies. White Christmas well, is boring. Next. I do want to talk I like about the sets that they have, though. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Like, so you can tell they're You want to know why uh, It's a Wonderful Life is a Christmas, like iconic Christmas movie? Because they broadcasted it free. Maybe. Yeah, so the movie did so poorly that they didn't renew the rights to it. So this was like 20 years or 10, 20 years after the film was originally done. Don't don't quote me on the exact like date, but they they didn't 
renew that. So it was just a public, like you could broadcast it for free and didn't have to pay royalties or anything because that's how little the studio believed in it. And so around the holiday time, channels would just put this on because they didn't have to pay to run the program. So it was just basically a free thing you could run. So And back when you had a bugger all to play on your TV station and you only had like three TV stations, they would just throw this on all the time. Yep. And then it just became synonymous with, oh, it's such a great movie because it's always on. And no, it was always on because (laughs) they didn't have to pay for it. (laughs) So everybody just assumes that it's this. I mean, I it's long. How long? It felt like a five-hour movie. Hold on. Let me look it up. Details. How long is this film? But I mean, because of how pacing oh, yeah, is, yeah, like yeah. all hundred. <laughs> there's three different cuts of it. There's a 120 minute version, 129, then there's 132 minute cuts of it. Should we just talk about it's a wonderful life and get it out of the way? We're probably going to talk about it. Anyway. All I can say, and we don't have to go too in depth with it, is it's a wonderful life. It had a terrific impact on me. I watched it just at the right time. I think I might have been mm-hmm. about 10 years old, and no one had yet put in my brain that black and white meant that it was a bad movie or that it was too old or whatever. So I just put it, you know, it was just on like as anybody else who's seen this movie, it's always on TV. And it was, it was terrific. I love Jimmy Stewart. I did. I'm sorry. I just, I loved it. I want to live again. Yeah. I want to live again. (laughs) Yeah. And it was, it was such a nice kind of play because also I hadn't yet seen what back to the future, especially back to the future two would do with this kind of similar, you know, alternate, you know, timeline mm-hmm. kind of thing. So I was just the right time in my life to watch something like this, that it was really sweet. And it, it meant a lot to like, you know, you think your life doesn't have any meaning. And then you, you find yeah. out, you take yourself out of it and the ripple effects of what you've done change everyone astronomically. And it's, yeah. it's, it's such a simple premise, but it drives the point home. And it, I don't know. There's just, I, I feel like if you don't like this movie, you're just a fucking cynical ass. Like, that's the best way I can put it. You just, you just, you just have. You're, I don't know. I can't talk to you. You're too pessimistic. You're, you're a Debbie Downer, bro. Like, if you don't like this movie, clearly, you just. I don't know. Okay, fine, cool. You know what's great about this movie is how it gets referenced in like so many other Christmas movies. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, it's there was a Muppet Christmas movie where they basically just did the plot of Wonderful Life. Yeah. This is another one where. People will just take this and be like, oh, well, we need to make a Christmas episode. Let's just do It's a Wonderful Life. <laughs> there was that that one of our characters want to kill themselves. Well, huh? Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Matt. No, I was saying there is a that 70s show version where yep. it's like, what, what was it? It was like Eric wished that he never was with Donna or whatever. And then some random like angel just showed up and was like, here's everybody's lives if you've never gotten with yeah. Donna. Yeah. Also, in It's a Wonderful Life, that moment happens like two more than two thirds through the movie. Yep. Like you're basically at the third act at that point. <laughs> and then that's the moment when he's like, oh, I wish I was never born. And he like goes on this 15 minute romp and then is like, oh, well, I'm convinced now. Uh, so- how, how evil is Mr. Potter? Oh, pretty evil 
I mean, well, no more evil than maybe the Disney Corporation. Uh, exactly. I mean, I hate to say it, but it's, you put the, the fucking right there. This movie <laughs> also still be anti-corporate, anti-authority fucking feels in my head at 10. Yeah. Trust me. From there. It also came right off the heels of World War II. So people were kind of in a weird place. Yeah. Miracle on 34th Street. Which version do you guys want to talk about? 1947 is the only one that matters. I've only seen the remake. I've... Yeah, I've never seen it. The 1947 the one? Matilda and the remake? Dude, the 1947 one is just it for me. I can't watch any other version. It just doesn't, I know. It doesn't yeah. have the same impact for me because Edwin Gwynn, I think that's the guy who actually played. Yeah, Edmund Gwynn was the guy who played Chris Kringle. He, he's, he's just perfect. He's perfect. Like, I, I, I can't stress this enough. He's fucking cinematic perfection. His performance is so... I, I just... I feel like he's Santa. Whenever I think of it, he doesn't have, like, a ho-ho-ho voice. He's he's very kind of soft-spoken, and, you know, he's, he's a bit of a smaller guy, and he's so sweet, and he, he means what he says. He's so sincere in a way that can come across as a bit, like, condescending, but... He's genuine. He genuinely means what he says, and it's it's perfect. It's perfect. His relationship, and especially the little girl who, at the time, I mean, was an unknown, and she amazing. Like the Pokemon, yeah, she was an unknown Pokemon. <laughs> but like, it, the huh. film just works. And then, not to mention, when when I saw it, I was not a jaded individual. I was in high school. I was like 16, 17 years old, and I was going, you know what? Let me just give this movie a shot. And I loved it, particularly the end when you, you know, when they prove that <laughs> he is Santa by all the mail going to him and shit and all that stuff. And they dump the, the mail uh, around the courtroom and stuff. That was really sweet. And I loved it. I, I, I got to say that. Oh, shit. It's Natalie Wood. Oh, shit. Natalie Wood is a little girl. That's funny. Oh. Holy hell. Oh, this movie was also made in 1994. Yeah, that's the remake with... um. What's the guy's name who who um was in Jurassic Park? He he um you know. Oh um oh shoot. I should know him because he also directed yeah Richard he directed um Gandhi. Yeah. Oh wow. Yep. Hey Matt, do you remember when we were <laughs> when we were at that bar and there was this, this was like right after Richard Richard Attenborough had died and um I heard a thing on NPR about it and then there was this guy at the bar. And I was like, oh, yeah, he also directed the Gandhi movie. And he's like, which one? And I was like, Gandhi. <laughs> no, I don't. Oh. When was that? That was uh, that was when like we were doing trivia. And then Pat, the bartender, started laughing. Oh, when we were doing trivia. Oh, good times. Yeah. Like you know that way... bar closed down. No, we were just there like a little while ago. It's COVID. Oh, yeah, okay. I thought like you meant the... The landowner. You probably don't want to say it on the show. Okay, the Christmas story. What do we all have to say? We already talked about that. No, we didn't. I I say like the fact that it's on TBS and it plays all throughout Christmas. It's it's up there for Christmas. Oh, that I was thinking of Christmas Carol. Yeah. I always get them mixed up. It is a pretty good movie. There's also the sequel to it that takes place in summer. Oh, God. Have you seen that? I think I've heard of it. Yeah. There's a part where they like have this weird top battle with the old school tops that you had to like wrap a string around. And the top, like he buys a top from a gypsy. 
in a store for like 40 bucks or something ridiculous. <laughs> and she's like, oh, this top will win any other top. And so he comes to the the cool kids with their regular tops and he's like, I'm going to win. And then the tops like go down in the sewer with Pennywise and they go on this weird, weird, uh, no, like literally the tops fall down into the sewer and go down this weird just series of places outside of the top arena and the kids are all watching it and it's really weird. And then the tops just disappear and you don't really get any, uh, you don't get any satisfaction of seeing one top defeat the other. (laughs) (laughs) But we're not here to talk about the summer story. We're here to talk about the Christmas story. It's probably a top five movie guys. Would you say? Yeah. Well, I'll say it's one of the best uses of narration. In yes. The film. Yes. That I, that narration is iconic, dude. Yeah. It's yeah. pretty great. And then I feel like there's not a soul that is my age that doesn't know about, you know, shooting your eye out. And you'll shoot your yep. eye out. Shoot your eye out, kid. Yep. Like it, everyone knows that little inside joke and it's, it's not, it's not gotten old, at least not for me. It's, it, I don't really turn to it anymore because I've seen it so many times. It's not something that I go back to. I know everyone else, right. you know, likes to say that. Oh my god, it's a classic. You got to watch it. Particularly the television channels will tell you. But I got to admit, it's not one of my top tens. But anytime it's on, I always just kind of, I have to watch at least the part when he gets his tongue stuck to the goddamn pole. Oh yeah, <laughs> holy I forgot about shit! That. And oh, then the no, little brother too, hey. right? And then the little brother too, who's just I can't move. It's so- <laughs> I can't put my arms down. Oh my god, I love it! Like it's just, we've all been there, man. When your mom just takes shit too far, we've all been there, and it's great. I love it. An oval teen, and it's way too quotable. It deserves its own episode. Uh, uh, the freaking leg thing. What's the deal with that? <laughs> oh man, what, what, what are you talking about? The, the leg lamp. lamp. The leg lamp. Oh, special award. Special award. For GLA. And that was like back in what the thirties. This movie is based in, right? Uh, I think it is. A Christmas Story, nineteen eighty-three. I know that's when it came out, but oh yeah, when I didn't realize. I for some reason I thought it was older. For some reason I thought this movie was from the sixties. No, well, I mean, maybe it's but maybe that's just because of because it is a timepiece. Yeah. So it just made me think that it was an older movie. No, but like I think it's set in the 30s. Um, 20s, maybe. Nobody's going to look it up. I'm going to look it up. No, I'm looking it up. 1939. Yeah. No no mention of... Oh, interesting. ...of World War II, though. So a calendar scene in the film says it's 1939, but the decoder pin Ralphie receives from the Little Orphan Annie radio show is the 1940 model. Whoa. Oh. God, I think the movie's unwatchable now. I'm sorry yeah. we even talked about it. Man. Broken I, movie. I really hope somebody got fired for that blender. <laughs> uh, Love Actually. Yes. How many Thank people you, have you loved? <laughs> Zach, have you seen it? Yeah, we watched it together, remember? Oh. No, we watched it at your house because Thomas gave me the DVD and was like, hey, you need to watch this movie. And I'm like, all right. That was when you were covering you your eyes during all the nudity because you said it was inappropriate. I remember that. And I don't remember my, that. My dad looked at you weird. 
I think what, <laughs> I think what's weird though is that everyone kind of focuses on the um the dance scene with um you know the guy from Notting Hill. Guy, why am I having a brain fart? Um, whatever his name is, the uh, actor's Andrew Lincoln. No, that's all that I remember from this movie. Oh, and Lord. then there was the dad that like his wife died. Right. Yeah, Andrew Lincoln, Lincoln was the guy who falls in love with um he's in love with um Kira Knightley. Yeah. Everyone remembers yeah. that part, and then they also remember um and the foreign guy or the foreign chick. Oh Hugh God. Grant and Colin. Thank Fred. you. Hugh Hugh Grant and the 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 uh his assistant, right? Like or the girl that in his office that he's like falling in love with and stuff too. I Legs get that. Of tree trunks. But I absolutely love I absolutely love Liam Neeson's Liam Neeson's bit with his son. That whole thing oh, yeah. steals my heart every time. I feel like that steals the movie for me. And then also the um, the one with Alan Rickman and Emma Thompson. That is a really sweet, kind of bittersweet uh, Christmas tale. You know? Yeah. It, it, I don't know why, but it just it affects me more and more every time I watch it. Because her performance when she finds out, you know, even though he got her this really sweet album from an artist she likes, you can see her trying to cry because he bought this other woman jewelry and she doesn't know if they've had an affair. She doesn't know anything. And, you know, clearly it bothers him as well that she thinks he's had an affair and clearly he's been having, you know, thoughts and it just, the whole film for me is. Do they have an affair? No, 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 no. He never sleeps with her. Never does anything with her, but he still does buy well, her, necklace, her jewelry. So. Well, that's the thing. He buys jewelry because he likes her. I mean, you know, he just, he's an oh. idiot. He just does that. It's a really dumb thing to do. Um, but then also there's the um, the bit with um, the guy who plays Bilbo, Martin Freeman, where he's a, a porn actor. Yeah, like softcore. Oh porn yeah, actor. they're stand-ins. Yeah, and they're like stand-ins, and it's it's the funniest. Thing. <laughs> I just having casual conversations. Yes, yeah. and it's so it's great. Like, Let me warm up my hands. Oh, so great. I love and it. and Colin Firth, I, that that's probably one of the best storylines. Oh yeah, Colin Firth with the Portuguese lady and yes, that is. I so think sweet. this is definitely like one of the best movies where it ties in like all these different stories into one. Yeah, I think it it, it hasn't been done that well since. To be honest with you, I haven't thought of any other movie that's that's like that that has all these little stories and it's supposed to be yeah. like an anthology, but they're all kind of happening simultaneously. And it just comes across as uneven a lot of the times, but this film does it does it really well, and they're all really good stories, and they're really sweet. I even like Bill Nye travels to uh, to America. Yeah, Thompson Babes. Yes, <laughs> and then uh, it's, it's like kind like, of like VHS. Four, like, of the biggest models from like 2003 just show up in some random bar in Wisconsin, and all. Have like an orgy with them. Yeah, uh, Matt, I'm not gonna lie, man. This movie always makes you think. One day, that's what I want to do. Is I want to like get drunk with you and look at you, just like Bill Nye looks at his uh his manager and be like, "You're the <laughs> fucking love of my life." <laughs> <laughs> and then and then I'll respond with one night with Elton John, and this is how you act or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, dude. This is such a and, good scene. That is great. Oh, like, I his, love whole it. Entire, his whole entire thing. The yeah. <laughs> like your best lay Britney Spears you serious like no nah, she was terrible <laughs> oh so good don't do drugs become a rock or don't buy drugs become a rock star and they'll give them to you for free yes 
<laughs> I need to rewatch this because I haven't seen it in like 10 years, so I don't remember anything. It's amazing. Christmas Vacation. Uh, you guys are going to be mad at me, but I've, I've only seen it in bits and pieces. I've never been able to actually really? watch it all the way through. Wow. It's not, I know it's Christmas sacrilege. Everyone likes it. Yeah, I mean, I say it's a classic Christmas. Hey, movie. I've done enough of that tonight of not watching all like these movies. So but it's one of those like relatable, you feel like, oh yeah, this is how Christmas goes with the family. Ha, ha, it's, ha. it's definitely like worth it's- watching all the way through at least once. Like, cause there's so many funny scenes in it and. It's pretty good. And since you guys haven't watched it, we don't really have much to go over. All right. What's next? Uh, I put Surviving Christmas, which is a terrible Christmas movie, but I watch it every year with my parents. <laughs> have you guys ever watched it? it? It's with Ben Affleck and like Christina Applegate, I believe. What's it called again? I've never heard of it. Surviving Christmas. Nope. I know James Gandolfini's in it though. It's is that the guy from like The Sopranos? Yeah, yeah. It's it's one of those movies. I I think it's like one of the lowest rated movies on Rotten Tomatoes, and a lot of people hate it. But it's okay. I think it's like it has like funny jokes, but they don't really land that great. And uh-huh. like whenever I watch it, I don't think it's that bad of a movie, but. It, I think that the main complaint from uh, critics is all the characters are annoying and unlikable. Right. Yeah. Which is probably know. true. That's the movie that I, I don't know. I just never really cared for. I was always just like, oh, okay. Well, it's a lot like those movies. What was it? Like Christmas with the Cranks. Like there were a lot of movies that came out back then where you watch it and, or you watch the trailer and you're like, I'm not going to watch this movie. It sounds terrible. <laughs> yeah i just i just don't feel like i had enough space you know what i mean like in my holiday schedule to watch that movie it just didn't appeal to me it just felt like okay that's that's that that's what that is okay cool moving on uh do you guys want to talk about jingle all the way i've uh, never seen it it's it's a timeless classic that can be watched any time of year regardless because arnold schwarzenegger is Arnold Schwarzenegger and uh, put the cookie down? Oh God, it's Jerome time. Oh and, man, and we, also, we also have uh, Phil Hartman. I think it's yeah. one of his last performances. This is or yeah, maybe that his or Toy Soldier or whatever, Small Soldiers. Yes, but he in this movie is is terrific, and you love to hate him because he's so funny. And I love how he rejects all the other women. He really wants Arnold Schwarzenegger's wife. And there are scenes where all the other single moms are trying to bring him shit. And he just plays it off. And um, all I got to say is any film that has a fight scene with Arnold Schwarzenegger and a bunch of Santa Clauses and a few of them literal dwarf Santa Clauses is an immediate classic. That whole scene is amazing. (laughs) With Jim Belushi being this scumbag, like fake Santa Claus, who's just trying to sell him a busted Turbo Man doll. That's it, awesome. It's the whole movie is is it's iconic to me. I love it. I loved watching it with my kids and watching them be like, "This is so crazy." I go, "Oh, don't worry, 
it gets crazier. And then by the end, like, yeah, it's so stupid. We got to give Sinbad credit. Oh, he, Sinbad he, is great, man. Are you kidding me? He, he owned the 90s. He, he did, all, man. He the first kid. Yeah. But how many bombs you think come in through the mail, huh? Yeah, back up, back up. And like he's he's got the <laughs> if you guys don't know what I'm talking about, just go watch the movie. It's great. <laughs> I love how you quote the movie. If you guys don't know what I'm talking about, just watch the movie. You'll yeah, get it. Because like it, it's so great. I I enjoy that movie so much. It it gives me such good chuckles. I mean, on every level, it's it's a classic Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. You could tell that he had such a big hand in like making it because there's all the quippy one-liners that he was known for are in this movie. All the the jokes, I mean, it's it's to me, it's up there with like his other movie, uh, Kindergarten Cop. <laughs> it's it's so wholesome and yet it's so Schwarzenegger. It, yeah, him chasing like the ball, whatever it is. The best way I can put it is there's it's like a raffle, and you know you need to get this ball in order to get a, a ticket to get the last remaining uh, Turbo Man doll, and he's chasing all throughout the mall, and then this kid in this ball pit catches it and puts it in his mouth. <laughs> you can just imagine someone as big as Arnold Schwarzenegger climbing through bullshit just to get this thing. And it's it's comedy gold, man. It is. Well, can you like say something to the kid and then everybody had to pry him off? Yes, he's trying to grab it. Yeah, he's trying to literally squeeze I, it out of the kid's mouth and the mom freaks out. Or, yeah. Oh, it's so, so great. good, dude. It is. It's great. I love it. I love that movie. It I, never I gets old for me. I used to love this movie as a kid. Because for some reason, I thought it was based in New York City. And I had like a thing about New York City as a kid. Like I thought it was so cool. And then it took me a while to realize it was actually based in Minneapolis. Yeah. I, like, I think like a lot of it's like in the Mall of, Mall of America as well. I don't think there's like too many movies that are based in Minneapolis now that I think about it. Maybe Fargo. Well, yeah. anyway, Die Hard. Oh my gosh! What do you want to say, Will? I haven't seen it. I haven't still. seen it. Wait, so. wait a minute! Neither one of you has seen this movie. No, so, why is it on the list? Because it happens during on. Christmas. Because. It's kind of I, a Christmas movie in the same way Lethal Weapon is a Christmas movie. Here's the thing yeah. that I, I I don't I don't think had, can ever be talked about enough. Die Hard represents a tectonic shift in what action movies can be and what they eventually grew into. Because before Die Hard, there was only the big buff action heroes who were just trying to stop stupid very evil bad guys that you didn't even really care about you just didn't you would put insert schwarzenegger insert stallone insert even dolph lundgren was making these movies at the time um any any one of them honestly jean-claude van damme made like a billion of them like it's ridiculous and they were all very capable muscular guys who didn't have a whole lot to say they had quippy one-liners and that was it so you here comes die hard with Bruce Willis, who is not a known star, he he was coming from a TV show at the time that wasn't even that big, and 
The studio wasn't really sure what this director, John McTiernan, was even doing. But, you know, he had built up enough rapport and he got enough funding and they were like, look, you know what? Let's just do it. Let's just make this little movie and we'll see where it goes from here. And you got this terrific British actor who's kind of late in the game, you know, kind of turned to acting when he was, I think, like 28. And at the time he had only been acting for several years. He was known for stages, um, or, you know, acting up in, in London and stuff like that. And um, he was going to be the villain. And so this movie had almost no reason to be as successful or as iconic as it's become for the genre, except for the fact that it's so incredibly well-written. John McClane is the antithesis of every action here. He doesn't have anything together. He's not a hard ass. He's, he, he doesn't even want to do all the good guy shit. He's just in this situation because he's trying to fix his marriage. He's going to meet his, his wife who's looking to divorce him. And uh, he's in this building because, you know, he, he's, he's just trying to do something. He's not even like meant to be there. It's kind of like clerks before clerks, you know, I don't even, I'm not even supposed to be here today. And it's that whole thing. And so what, when the shit goes down, he's not there to try and save anyone. It's just, he just does it because what else can he do? He can't help but be a fuck up his entire life. And this is like kind of like failing upwards for him. All of his choices are simply because he's too stubborn to just get get out and let the cops do it. He's already in the situation. You know, he, he, he gets in a scuffle with one of the bad guys as he's hiding. And then he just kind of gets thrown in and he just starts making it up as he's going along. Down to literally like being barefoot and like, you know, getting his feet fucking slashed open and shit at one point because the, the bad guys know better. And Hans Gruber is one of the most iconic villains in film history because he is likable. He's super smart. Alan Rickman plays him terrifically. I mean, it's it's literally going to go down in history as one of the best performances ever because it, it truly is. When you watch it, you guys will know what I'm talking about. He He's terrific as a villain. He carries the entire film. And also it has one of those things that most movies don't like to do, which is it has him actually talking to our hero for most of the film. They don't actually see each other until like near the end. And even then they do a good job of showing, you know, they give them a good excuse to actually meet up and talk. And I won't spoil that for you guys, but they actually do talk. And even that's great writing. It's, it's, it's just fantastic. The film it's known as this awesome action movie. You know, it's, it's pitched as this kind of like testosterone film movie, but it's not, it's the antithesis of that, you know, he goes through hell. He gets the shit beat out of him horribly. Like he, I can't stress that enough. And it's, and it's the film's better for it. You know, by the time you see that awesome shot of him, like stumbling out of the dark towards our villain and he's like covered in his own blood. It's just horrible. Cause he's just been through hell. You just feel for the guy. You just, you're like, I don't know what the fuck he's going to do now. Like, I don't, I, I really hope that he's, this is going to be okay. Cause Jesus. And it, and thus the genre was was just fucking shifted. You know what I mean? That's when literally all the other kind of action films had to be remade. And then it was so impactful that you got a billion different versions of Die Hard from there. I mean, every uh, film. I, had- I've seen uh, the one that were that I think like the last one that was released back in like 2012 or 2013. I just like watched it in theater one time. Yeah. It was right, like yeah, that's it. I know it's not it's not very Christmassy. My whole speech about the movie, but it's just I I do love it for what it's done. It's that's like a it big argument, and it's a big like a big internet pop culture thing where it's like, yes, Die Hard is a Christmas movie. No, Die Hard isn't a Christmas movie. So it's like something we do have to talk about. 
Is there I, in my else? heart of hearts. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say in my heart of hearts, it's not a Christmas movie, but God damn it. I love to watch it during Christmas because it's got Christmas in it. True. <laughs> Is there anything else that you guys want to talk about? Not really. I feel like we covered all of our bases. Do you want to talk about eight crazy nights? <laughs> oh man. I still remember that song from that movie. I only I just remember one line. Yes, the technical foul line. And it's the one, it's two lines. It goes, it goes, what if I wake up with the morning erection? (laughs) Like, holy shit. As a kid, I was going, what? Hold on. What did he say? He goes, he goes, what if I wake up with the morning erection? And then the old guy goes, you'll get an automatic ejection. (laughs) Oh, I thought there was one line where he said, like, morning would. And he said, that's a technical foul, but I'd like to see it anyway or something like that. All right. Well, oh, I'm, I'm remembering this, but I've seen it like 15 years ago, but that's what it's been in my head. Yeah. I remember it being a really smooth animation. <laughs> it actually is For a really well animated was. movie. It yeah. is. And I also remember the line where there's like a fat kid like playing basketball. And then Sandler's character is like, next time you come on my court, you better wear a bra. Hold on. I do want to have – I do want to throw in one honorable mention, The Preacher's Wife with um, Whitney Houston and Denzel Washington. I love that movie. That's a really sweet little movie. About, you know, obviously the preacher who's losing faith and stuff like that during Christmas and his uh, his daughter prays, you know, for an angel to help his mo- his dad find, you know, stuff like that. Whitney Houston obviously is the wife. She's super supportive. She sings in the church. And Denzel Washington plays the angel that comes to help this family. And Denzel's just great. I love the movie. Anytime it's on, it I have to watch it. And Whitney Houston's still magnetic as ever. And she's got great music in the film, so. Yeah, that's it. Just honorable mention. Preacher's Wife. If you haven't seen it, right. go watch it. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of The Great Movie Showdown. It's been our Christmas Christmas episode, and uh, we hope you all stay safe, stay warm, and uh, keep that COVID-19 uh, away and do not pin <laughs> you. You can follow us at The Great Movie Showdown on Twitter. That's at Great Showdown. Check us out there. Tweet at us. Tell us uh, what you like, what you hate. Um, anything really? Uh, tell us, tell us your thoughts on the KFC mini movie. Well, tell us uh, what you had for dinner. Tell us what's in your fridge. Tell oh us gosh. how your mother-in-law is doing today. Yeah. Anyway, thank you so much. And then we'll be. Uh, we might. I think we're going to do a bonus episode to. Uh, to talk about our reactions to the KFC. <laughs> anyway. You would stop trying to make KFC happen. It's not going to happen. Why are you make me watch this? I don't know. Anyway, that's all the time we have tonight. Thank you so much. Uh, let's uh, fade out. Christmas and Hanukkah. Da-da-da-da. Christmas and Hanukkah.